Well, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world watching this right now. And welcome in to another episode of The Buddhist Biohacker. My name is Lisa Gunshore. As always, I am your demystification guide and I'm so honored and excited to have our guest with us today, Steve Noble from The Soul Matrix. Hi, Steve. Welcome back. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you back. Your channel is one of my obsessions for sure on YouTube. Um, and we talked about this before, so I guess I won't gush too much. But I do want to say, I mean, as as somebody who is a channel and does transdimensional mediumship work and all those things, it's really hard to find when I just want to take a salt bath and like lose myself in a meditation and I don't want to have to like do any work here. <laughs> It's hard to find that. And your channel is so that like I cannot I just it's like a little adventure every time I pull up your YouTube channel and look for, you know, something that's calling to me that night to just kind of take me away. So it's just such a treat. So I'm so glad that you're doing this work. It makes me so happy. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I did think at one time the work will end at a certain point because, you know, how much how many more meditations and processes and stuff is there out there but I, I uh i did say that to a partner once as you said it's never going to end it's always going to keep going and i kind of think that's the truth really it seems to be the, the more i think okay i'm done now i'm resting and then another one comes through and then something else comes through you know so it happens yeah it is the mission never ends that's for sure it's very clear to all of us like we just have to keep going and welcome in everybody i just want to say hi to our members um, hi, Marilyn. Hi, Hope. For everybody who's watching, we'd love to hear where you're from. And if you have any questions today for Steve um, or questions about our conversation or comments, please share them. And members, we do have some new emojis. So I know you're probably pretty excited. You're probably tired of the same four. So we have seven now. So um, you can play around with those later. But anyways, so Steve, what do we want to talk about today? I'm really loving that mandala behind you, that gold mandala. It's so pretty. That one? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that one, uh, it just covers uh, a load of books and flower remedies and the whole range of things. So I was told to make myself look prettier. So, And I've got this as well, you know, because my partner's saying, get more professional. Get She likes these things. So I got one of these. And I think it's quite cool, really. I quite like it. Yeah, um, really cool. yeah. I like that it's got the space. I mean, space is so much about where we all are and go when we do our work. So I love that it has that in it. Yeah, it's cool, really. It makes me feel professional. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing, Steve. Like, I had enough people and myself be like, hey, you need to put some makeup on and do your hair. So thank you. I can already see people in the comments saying you look so good. It's like, this is because I actually, same thing. I probably shouldn't look like I'm fighting a mission every single day. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I like the mandala behind you. That's really beautiful too. Oh, thank you. You know what? This was from the yeah. some company in the UK and it's a decal sticker. Um, but my little cat cauldron, she rips all these little these little things off, these little dots. So the whole bottom of this mandala is like missing all the dots. Oh, She's oh, like oh. pulled them all off. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> oh dear, she wants to be involved. Totally. She wants to, She's she like, to be involved. And by the way, I like your new intro. It looks very Star Warsy. 
Oh, thank you. Yes, I did that on purpose. I'm totally Gen X and totally a Star Wars nerd. So um, I thought, what a great way to share our community guidelines about nonviolence than to do it in a very Star Wars way. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I kind of, it remind, took me back to, was it, was it 70s when it first came out? I, I think, think it was so. the 70s. Yeah, I, I was... <laughs> I was a t was it must have been a teenager. I just remember going down to this big cinema and going, "Oh my God, what's this?" You know, the whole thing the, and the whole. I think wasn't it the beginning where that spaceship goes over and the whole thing shakes. The whole yeah, really shake. You want to hear the coolest story, Steve, about that spaceship? Yeah. So my husband and I went to, my husband's a drummer and we went to the Mem Memphis drum shop. It's like this world famous drum shop in Memphis, Tennessee on our way to the New Orleans Jazz Fest. So it was like this whole trip. We went into this drum shop and they have a gong chamber and we had to go through this whole process. It's a long story, but we went through this whole process to interview to even go to the gong chamber. And when I met the owner, Jim Pettit, he was like, oh my gosh, okay, you're a healer, you get it. Like, I'm gonna take you to the gong chamber. So we went into this gong chamber with all of these gongs and there was this gigantic gong. I mean, it was probably seven or eight feet tall. I mean, this was like huge. And he played this gong and not only did my whole, I mean, I started crying. I mean, it was like, very intense but he said that that was the actual gong that played the sound of that starship going over in that very first scene of star wars oh, wow. a gong playing <laughs> all right no it wasn't digital of course those days it wasn't all digitally done was it it was amazing because when i look back on the new the new star wars and the old ones there's such a difference like the new ones look mm -hmm. The effects are like even more amazing, you know. I suppose just the way of the world, isn't it? It gets more and more amazing. It but, does. Uh, yeah. I still love the classic though. But I thought that was so incredible, like that that was a gong. Like no wonder our whole body like changes energy when we watch the beginning, that first scene of Star Wars. I know. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Amazing. <laughs> I have I have a gong right here. It's right by me, my Neptune gong. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, another funny story I can tell you about this gong is that Cauldron, the, or Kitty, she plays that gong. She like comes into my office and she'll take her paws and like play this gong and sit in the vibration. So she clearly knows a lot more <laughs> than a cat should know. <laughs> I think cats really uh, know what's going on. I don't. I don't think dogs know what's going on, but cats they kind of know what's going on. I think that's my feeling anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I think she knows exactly what she's doing and exactly what is happening on a day-to-day -day basis. And I just love it so much. So oh, that's, that's cool. Is, is she going to uh, be starring in the, our little show today? Uh, she might. She's laying right over here in the window. Here, I'll get her. I'll get her and everybody. She's like our official mascot. Of okay. We love her so much. I got Cauldron because she came to me in a dream and told me to come get her from the, the pet store. Or <laughs> the, I adopted her from the little buddy center by us. You're going to uh, say, and she's like, no, I want to hunt no, her. No, she wants to. Hunting birdies. But yeah, she actually came to me in a dream, Steve. And I like got online the next day, went to the shelter by my house. And sure enough, there was the cat I dreamt about. And I was like, oh man, I got to go get this cat now. And she dream crashes. Do your pets do that? Like I'll be having a lucid dream. And all of a sudden I'm like cauldrons there wanting me to feed her or something in the dream. <laughs> Well, I, I I haven't got a cat now, but I used to have a cat called Frodo, you know, from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. And um, 
And Frodo was a tiny little thing when we got like black and a bit like yours, but long haired, black and white. And uh, when we first got him, he used to climb our Christmas. It was Christmas. We climb the Christmas tree, climb our curtains. It was little holes in the curtains where the, his little claws went up. And I tuned into him when he started getting a bit older. And I was just trying to see if there's what's the what's the message from the cat. And what I got was food, sex, <laughs> sleep. And I said to my partner, we've got an elemental cat here. It's not, there's no higher wisdom. It's just that. But well, I love the cat, you know, I, and the cat did great gate crash me a few times, my dreams, but it was always food, sex, sleep. It was the same thing. <laughs> there was no yeah. deep communication going on. Yeah. Cauldron's definitely like, she crashes my dreams when she wants me to wake up and get her breakfast or she crashes my dreams when she wants to hunt something too. Sometimes I'm like with her hunting, like, mice or something and i'm like what is going on and i'll be lucid enough in the dream that i'm like why are you in here and why am i hunting a mouse with you this makes no sense get out of my dream. <laughs> yeah i used to find the plants used to do it as well they're they're a bit quieter this i've got loads of them around loads of crystals loads of plants and they used to <clears throat> come to me water we want water and uh now i'm mindful i'm i come in i look at them are you do you need water and i'm more mindful so they don't kind of crash into my consciousness anymore, oh, so much true. which is good yeah <laughs> otherwise i've got too many plants around here plants are good for electromagnetics and i just yeah. love the feel of plants and i think animals are very good for recharging our energy if we do a lot of energy work they're really good just to hang out and recharge with I think that's why witches used to have the, the idea of the black cat. You know, it's just like recharging them. After oh, for sure. Work. That's exactly. I was like, of course, I'm getting a black cat. And I was like, and I am going to name it Cauldron. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, years ago, I attended the Berkeley Psychic Institute. And they taught us a class about cats. And one of the things that they said was that their, their energy goes counterclockwise. Oh. So when they sit on our laps, there was something about their counterclockwise action with our clockwise action somehow balances us out. So when a cat sits on your lap, they change the hertz of the body. And I wish I could remember more, but it was it was an interesting class because whenever she's on me, I'm always thinking she's doing some stuff with me for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I always, yeah, I always found my energy go calmer when they're there around because my mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tend to be a bit hyper, and they're like, "Oh, calm down, let you know, don't work too hard, just relax, you know, yeah. stroke me." Yes, <laughs> want us to rest and sleep and and be warm bodies for them to sleep on for sure. Yeah, cats are like girlfriends, so I, I think they come, hug me, stroke me, kiss me, <laughs> tell me I'm lovely. You know, cats are like that. Come on, just hug me. You know, so. Yeah, they're beautiful. Oh I love it. I love it. Well, we're I want to switch gears and I want to talk about ultra-terrestrials for a minute. <laughs> oh, ultra-terrestrial. Yeah, yeah, extra, extra ultra-terrestrial. From cats to ultra-terrestrials, they probably aren't that different in some ways with their vibration and their telepathy and everything. But I'll tell you what, I've experienced a massive uptick this year in my connection with them and with their energy. And I, a lot of them have been coming to me. And oddly enough, Steve, they've been coming because I'm a medium also, and it seems like they want me to do some of that work for them as well. And you have some incredible meditations and work with all different ones, you know, Arcturians, Pleiadians. So what are you seeing and feeling? What do you think, you know, what are your thoughts about all of the energy around that right now? Um, well, I feel um, there's more contact, more interest, because it seems to me that the energy on the planet is just increasing day to day. 
I used to, I used to be like, oh, there's a wave coming in. Oh, let's rest and feel it. And now it's not like there's a wave coming in. It's like ongoing. It's just like we're in this high frequency all the time. And it's taken, taken me and I think a lot of people some time to get used to. So I'm getting kind mm -hmm. of, oh my God, you know, even resting sometimes. I don't feel I've rested. You know, I need to rest more. And the energy is quite intense. So I think these 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 beings, um, the ones I'm interested in, Pleiadians, Syrians, and Arcturians mostly, are kind of really around. And But to me, they come and go. You know, they're not always around me. I feel they come and they go, we want put this out or we want to connect with you in this way. And they're very intensely there for a while and then they go. Some people, they're there all the time. You know, um, it would be nice if they hung around all the time. They don't hang around all the time for me. You know, like I can have an extraterrestrial or even a goddess energy that comes very intensely and then disappears. So talking about cats, I had Sekhmet for a while. And then, oh, Sekhmet was lovely. And then where, where's she gone? She's gone. Oh, and another one. So I'm that kind. It's that kind of contact for me. I'm I'm a kind of um, a many different energies i suppose uh, it would be nice if some of them really hung around a lot with me you know i don't know if they do but they're really much in the background i think mm -hmm. i'd like them to can chat to me more well i'll like... send them your way because they busy <laughs> i'm also very connected to the pleiadians and the arcturians like but the pleiadians are very intense for me and then i've been getting some new new i don't know if they want to call it i don't know if i feel like calling it species but i guess for lack of a better word so um now i'm learning all about star systems do you go research stuff like that or does it just come through like what's your process so um i mean with the syrian pleiadian and octurian i feel i know them well so i but if there are i get emails saying do you know about this planet or do you know about what is it, uh, Romulus and Reem? I can't remember. There was people asking. I got. I've got no idea. I don't know. There are so many systems. There are so many races. Um, sometimes I get obscure ones come through. So I had um, these golden dragon race come through, which were like whoa, and they were really fast and whizzy, and um, they felt really like maybe part humanoid. I wasn't quite sure, part humanoid, but some not humanoid. And then I had another one which was this golden mantis race and the golden mantis race. I was, I did do some research cause I was like, Whoa, mantis. I'm not sure about who are you? And I, you know, when you hear things about weird insectoid races. So I did go and look around going, has anybody else? And it had this kind of connection. And I feel I saw some other channel and he wrote in such a nice way that I kind of relaxed. I went, Oh, okay. And then I opened to them and they were really loving and really, really beautiful. So I, I really like that. But if they're really, really new, I'm, I'm not quite sure who they are. I might go and have a look. And uh, But the Arcturians I know well, Syrians I know pretty well, and Pleiadians I know pretty well. Um, but I think within all of them, there may be new groups that come and they may be slightly a bit like Earth, I suppose. If we were connected with another planet, you might have some people from Canada or some people from San Francisco. They would have a slightly different vibe. And I think that's the same with the ETs, really. They're not all the same. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. And I, you know, it's just, I could talk about it for hours only because it's so fascinating. It's really up for me. I mean, in my life, I've had many experiences with different beings, but it really is loud. And of course, there's a lot of theories about that. Why do you think it's loud? Like, why do you think they're all of a sudden here? <laughs> well, I think they've been coming from, you know, a while now, but. Uh, you know, people started channeling them in the 60s, um, what like the raw material and, and these kind of things. 
uh, what was it? The Star City. There was a kind of there was a few books, wasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Oh, I kind of try and remember now. But there was a few books, but they were kind of very at the edge, and nobody was paying much attention. But now, I and mean, when when I started, I think. 2016 i didn't really feel there was a lot around I, I thought there's not many people doing it but maybe i didn't know but now i'm looking around and everyone on facebook i see is channeling someone or doing light language so i'm not sure if it's just exploding now or whether it was always there but more hidden i don't mm -hmm. know but i think the, the the connection's more intense now because we're really coming to a really i think this year and next year are the super important years really because we're at this very volatile stage, you know, the light and the dark are mixing and the dark forces are trying to hold on and the light forces are breaking through. The light is increasing every day. And so the dark forces can't really hold on. But the, the, the light forces are there to guide us, tell us everything's all right. Because, you know, when you look around the world, we might think, well, it doesn't look all right. I know I've looked at the world a few times going, you know, the, where is the new earth? It's looking a bit manky at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know. it definitely is uh, reflective of the tower card right now, I feel. So as a Scorpio, part of me is like, okay, this this mayhem is exactly what needs to happen in order for us to go forward. But I also have those moments where I'm like, where are we going with all of this? And, and are we going to, you know, get through it or not? But then it feels so inevitable to me that, you know, this awakening is happening. And, you know, you're right about the, the light energy and I agree with you. I think I think there's a lot of energy around it because I think there's a couple things going on. I think some people are, a lot of people are willing to share their connections when maybe they weren't before. I don't know about you, but when I first started doing this work in 2006, like it was difficult for me to even tell people I was doing psychic readings. I mean, it, it was not a normal thing. And now I can say it to, you know, a random person at the mall or something, and no one's going to think twice about it. Like it's a completely different energy now than it used to be. Um, but it also seems like they're surrounding us more. And, and I, I do get a lot of information about, you know, they want our planet to to win. You know what I mean? Like they want us to, if we don't, it's going to affect a lot of systems far beyond ours. So Yeah, I think so. Well, back in the 90s when I started doing this, um, spiritual books would be put in brown paper bags, you know, and, and I'd go into workshops with sunglasses and my coat and collar up, you know, going, no one's going to recognize me. And I even hid it from, nobody knew when I was started. I wasn't going to tell anyone because I was working in a corporate type of environment and nobody in my family understood. So it's really like a scramble to find people who I could talk to at the beginning, like who understands this? And eventually you'd find one or two friends. And, uh, and, and now, I mean, I've got a whole community of people following and connecting with. And now everywhere I look, there's there's um, on Facebook, oh, they live down the road and hey, can we meet up for tea? So now I'm finding more of a connection. But in the early days, it was like I, I felt I was the odd one out, the kind of weird one. My family still don't understand what I'm doing. My daughter and son still look at my YouTube channel and they kind of tut tut, dad, what are you? I got um, a new uh, business card. I don't know if I can show it to you. It's a nice gold one. And I showed it to my daughter and she was in fits. I, you probably like it because, uh, where is it? Here it is. Got one here. And I did it tongue in cheek with her because I knew she wouldn't really understand it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, come on, it doesn't want to come out. I got one of this gold. Um, let's see if you can see it. Oh, it's, that's beautiful. And it says at the bottom, Ascension Guide. 
Yeah. Uh, spiritual meds, starseed support. I showed my daughter this card and she went, Dad, what's an ascension guide? What's starseed support? She started laughing and then she went and looked because on the back is all my uh, social media. And she went and looked at my Instagram and tongue in cheek, I put Jedi on my Instagram. And she just thought this was hilarious. Dad, are you a Jedi? So now I just say to her, yeah, dad, dad, dad's doing Jedi things this morning. You know, I kind of keep it going, keep the banter yeah. going. <laughs> oh, I know. love that. Well, you know, the, the Jedi is going back to our Star Wars talk. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom <laughs> in what they have to say and what Yoda has to teach. I mean, those little little snippets of, of quotes and things are so powerful. So I kind of like that you're a Jedi. <laughs> I think good. Yeah. Well, well, Gene, you know, I used to be a Star Trekkie before Star Wars because it was Star Trek, you know, ah. Captain Kirk and all that. And Gene Rodenbury, who started the series, was, was in the Seth. Do you know the Seth channel? Oh, channel yeah. Seth. He went to some of those classes, apparently. And so Seth, ah. Seth is an amazing channel and one of the best channels I've come across, really. And um, talking about reality creation and Seth wasn't really talking about shifts and ascension. Seth came in with this really strong concept. You know, you create your reality. The self is multidimensional and the self is limitless. And the, your present point of the present moment is your point of power. These are very, very practical metaphysical ideas. He wasn't talking about ETs or anything like that or dark and light. He was just saying you create your reality and here's how to do it better. And I just loved him. You know, mm -hmm. and then Star Wars came along, and that was really the whole ET. But well, even Star Trek was the ET connection, wasn't it? You know, yeah, there's yeah. Um, the Federation, and there was hostile races and beautiful races, and all of this kind of thing. And I was transfixed with all of that, as with Star Wars. You know, just the whole possibility that we're in a whole big universe, mm -hmm. and suddenly the kind of quarantine doors are falling down and, and planet earth is no longer in quarantine. We're no longer being isolated. We're being connected. There's all these kind of inroads happening and uh, tunnels coming into, you know, like time lines coming into the earth now. And I think I remember reading Barbara Marciniak's books in the nineties. Do you know, do you know the Pleiadian ones? Yeah. And that, that kind of quirky humor that they had, you know, and this kind of quirkiness. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was just taken by it. What a what a what a trickster way of speaking, you know, and all these different um, channels I started following and listening to, and I thought, gosh, we live in a mo vast, multi-dimensional universe. So I'm multi-dimensional. I'm vast. Yeah. And then my mind started going, well, where have I been? What have I been doing? What what am I capable of? Is it more than paper shuffling, which was what I was doing at the time, you know, in some corporate thing? And so. I do like the kind of practical aspects of, yes, we live in this universe. Yes, there are a lot of ETs helping us. But I like to know, well, what kind of wisdom guidance can they give us that actually helps? And so a lot of the stuff I do on my channel is, I hope, practical. So it may be very metaphysical, like guiding them off into some healing chamber. But I want it to be a practical you know, outcome. I don't want them just to, people just to feel great. I mean, feeling great is wonderful, but I want it to have some healing, clearing, transformation effect. That's the point I think of it. Mm -hmm. you know? Which is why I love your channel. Cause I, I'm the same way, you know, for me, it's very much, um, it's fun to be mystical, but it's also, you know, how do we apply it? Just like you said, how do we make it practical and real and, and for everyone, because I think that there was this concept for a long time, and I think that's what we're breaking through right now, actually. There was this concept certain people had it or you know, certain groups or this person that can channel. And, and I, I like that we're 
pushing the ceiling now of like, no, everyone can do this and everyone can heal and clear and use these practical tools. And that's what's so special about the work that you do on your channel and the work that a lot of us do in the community, you know, is just really saying, no, actually you have the power and go back to what you said about Seth, you know, what Seth said, you know, we create our reality, you know, and what we're really reading or seeing or looking at is our, our creation. Yeah, absolutely. Power back into our hands. Well, he was really helping us shift out of the 3D into what I think of 4D. 4D is where, you know, there's a whole number of new possibilities. In 3D, we live one lifetime. There's one God somewhere. We pray. Maybe he'll, he will hear us. You know, mm-hmm. our boss is in charge of us, controls our reality. There's only so much joy we can have, you know, blah, blah, blah. Rocks are hard, waters wet. But in 4D, um, I remember coming across these concepts that we live more than one lifetime. We've lived before and we will live after this one. And that's, that alone was just like mind blowing. We have uh, guidance in spirit. We're they're more than just who we, our personality. We have a higher self. We have guides, we have angels. That's just like, you know, and when I came across angels, um, someone told me they were parking angels, which I thought was really interesting. There's parking <laughs> angels. And I tried calling on parking angels and they listened. I got all these parking spaces and I thought, why would any angel be interested in my parking? Isn't that a boring job? <laughs> but anyway, and then I started playing with manifestation and everything. And then um, I heard this concept of um, infinite wisdom is both God and goddess. And I was like, God and goddess, it's both imminent and transcendent. You know, because religion is transcendent. It's everything above, you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Hell and heaven are afterwards. But imminent means light in the body. It means we li- we can be enlightened in the body. And that was huge. Like, I can invite, I have a, both a God and a goddess energy in me, and I can have light in my body. I don't have to escape the body to be happy or, you know, all of that kind of thing. And so all these concepts open my mind to being, I think, happier, more successful, more connected on the earth, in the body. I think spirituality has to be in the body mm-hmm. and and it's wonderful all these messages that i get and, and the transmissions but i'm hoping that all of it helped people live more empowered more connected lives more freedom in their life more joy in their lives and i read every single comment on my youtube channel and i read and of course i get some of them from born again christians which says you know jesus will save you you know get it yeah. don't give up your day job or something <laughs> But 99% will say, oh, thank you. That cured my depression. That cleared this. And I'm, I, I really feel moved when somebody says it had a practical effect because I've got no idea what the effect will be other than it will help people in some way. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and it seems to be. So as long as it helps people, I'm continue to work. When it stops, I'm just going to kind of draw my pension, put my feet under the table and drink my hot chocolate, you know, and, and go sit by the sea and give up. You know, like, okay, job's done. You're all okay now. All right, fine. You know? <laughs> But I think I've got a few more years to go before that happens. Yeah, I think so, too. At least through this decade, I think we're all going to be working overtime until we get through this, whatever this cycle looks like. Um, And I love this. We've got some great comments and questions. Danny saying, Steve, I am such a fan. Thank you for the wonderful meditations. Um, We have... um, Eve has a question. I'm going to come back to your question, Eve. I'm going to click on this. So Tracy says, I've used the hollow deck when doing remote healing sessions. I borrowed his genius more fun and malleable. Love that. We also have, we love parking lot angels. 
And uh, we also have um, Hope saying, can't wait to share with my dad. He will enjoy the description from Steve. So Eve has a question. She said, do you believe in the dark aliens like the Draco small grays that they're using or abusing humans? I've watched experiencers, but it doesn't resonate with me. I gravitate to light and love. I have some opinions, but what's your opinion, Steve? Um, well, I do believe that there are dark races um, while I've experienced them, to be honest. So I think to really appreciate the light, you have to appreciate that there is a there is a, a not so light, you know, to appreciate this world of brilliant spiritual teachers. I think I only appreciate all the spiritual knowledge and teachers because I've been through so much of kind of mundaneness and kind of the, the, the nonsense that goes on in the world. So when I came to spirituality, I was like, wow. And I think, you know, the beauty of light angels and light ET races is the fact that there are some races which are not so light and, um, and they are in connection. I do believe on the earth, you know, I think they are, they are, um, I think governments are governments are aware of them. I believe you know there was that Roswell was it the Roswell incident where that spaceship crashed in was it New Mexico I think in yeah. forty seven yeah and the 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 the, um, the local U.S. airbase sent out a truck or something and picked up the flying saucer with these alien bodies and brought them back and made the uh, they kind of put out we found the flying saucer and we found all these aliens and then someone in Washington went. No, you never. It was a hot air balloon and it was all squashed. The PR agents came jumping on it. But I think since the 40s, um, governments have been aware of ET activity. And um, I mean, I don't want to go too down, dark, down the rabbit hole, but I think one of the reasons why the world has not completely shifted into the light is because of influence of dark alien forces. And you know, there's all kinds of ideas, which I think is probably true that governments like the American government has swapped has swapped um, receiving technology in exchange for stuff, you know. Yeah. And I think these things have gone on. Um, but there are light forces coming on the planet and they are, um, I think, blocking a lot of what potentially could happen on the planet. Uh, and it's not just... ET forces, but there are boots on the ground which are blocking a lot of these darker agendas. You know, 9/11 um, to me was a dark agenda. You know, this current crisis. You know, you may think that some lab in China, you know, uh, something happened there, got out accidentally or whatever, but you know, it has all the hallmarks of something a bit more deliberate to me, mm -hmm. and. You've only got to look at what happens afterwards, you know, stripping away of, of personal freedoms, strategic advantage, grabbing of resources, corporations, you know, making moves and all kinds of and, you know, other stuff. And you can, I think, you know, this looks like just as light forces have an agenda, dark forces have an agenda. Their agenda is to keep the planet in. Let's keep let's keep it how it was. You know, let's not allow too much light we can't allow all this love and light in because it shifts the vibration and there are beings i mean e even if you forget about ets for a moment there are beings in this reality that do not like too much joy that cannot stand too much love that cannot stand too much intimacy that it just freaks them out they want the drama they want the kind of uh they want the blame they want the judgment they want that paradigm and so if you put people in a room 
the all, all love and light, expansive, visionary, joyful. And you've got another group which are, let's talk about the problems. Let's talk about all the worst case scenarios. Those two groups are not going to get on and they'll want to polarize and leave and they'll want to go in their own rooms. And I think what's happening on the planet now is a polarization of light and dark, fear and love. There's a lot of people polarized into fear. I mean, this, this crisis has polarized a load of people into fear. And it's polarized a lot of people into po potential possibility awakening. And that's what these things do. Which side of the fence are you going on? Are you going to go into fear, put my mask on, you know, shields up, keep away everyone. Your germ is going to kill me any minute. You know, I've seen, mm -hmm. we, were, we were walking in a park, me and my partner, and uh, this was the first lockdown in Britain. And there was a little bottleneck in this park. There was about several people in this park. It was a narrow uh, pathway. And there's a woman with a dog and a young child and she leapt into the bushes and she shouted at us, I don't want to die. Mm. And we, and my partner said, Oh, bless you. You know, bless you. You won't die or something. And I thought that is extreme fear. Yeah. You know, if people are watching the news and it's, I mean, it's incredible because even in, if you think of things in England, for example, when the IRA were bombing and when world war two was happening, the, the strategy of the government was, uh, keep calm and carry on. Now, every government on the planet has reversed it and go panic the the world population and use fear to elbow them into getting some toxic procedure. And I hope I'm not upsetting people here. I'm I'm getting texts and I even had a phone call the other day saying, "When are you going to get your jab?" And I just said, "I'm not." And they said, "What's your reason?" I told them. He said, "That's too long for me to put on the form. I'll just say you don't want it." I said, "All right, fine. I don't want it. I'm not going to have it." And I don't recommend any starseed have this jab because um, what I've also experienced, and I, I don't know if anybody's heard about shedding. Have you heard about this kind of thing of shedding? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sure if I believed in it, but then I experienced it twice where I had a reaction in my body with being near someone who had a vaccination. I didn't connect it. And then afterwards, someone messaged me on Facebook saying, uh, I'm a healer. I've been seeing unvaccinated people who've had this shedding experience with vaccinated people and their throat chakra is reversed in polarity. And my throat chakra was, was doing this. And mm. I realized, oh my gosh, it is real. And so I, I need to do something about it. I don't know what yet, but I need to do something to help that because it's a real problem that unvaccinated people are now having to face. The problem is don't get too close to vaccinated people because there's a shedding. And I was in a restaurant the other day with with like 90% elderly people in there. Like it was an, a, an area with a lot of retired people. And I just felt, oh, my God, I could feel the energy in this place. It's, it's kind of I think the toxic energy is chemical energy, energetic. So anyway, back to the question of, yes, there are dark aliens. Um, there are dark aliens. There are agendas. We don't have to worry too much about them because they're being dealt with. As the light on the planet increases, there's nothing they can do about it other than these kind of, you know, 9-11 and this is just an attempt to keep the, the vibe low. It can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, it will break through. And actually, the dark are helping to awaken people. So I think dark aliens unintentionally are awakening people, actually. So I, I think they're doing a job. It's all part of the plan. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's not a Trump thing. Follow the plan. I didn't mean it like that. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I'm not suggesting you follow the plan. I love, you know, what you're saying is activating some things in me. You know, last week, so um, just to give you some context, Steve, last week, I was, it was last Monday, I was on a hike and I 
just got this massive download from the Ashtar Federation. Like it just came through and it came and it came and it came for like a whole week. My entire week last week was completely uh, changed from that. And, you know, a lot of what they spoke about is, is, you know, right in alignment with what you're saying. And I just want to share kind of what they said, you know, this fear energy. I mean, that is just like you're saying these, these dark forces, you know, whether they're interdimensional beings that are dark or ultra terrestrial, it really doesn't matter. The dark energies feed off of that fear that you're talking about and want that fear to be created. And you're, you know, you're exactly right. They can't thrive in a love environment. And the message that I got last week, and really, I think was my call to action, um, with my own, uh, uh, I can't even think because my throat chakra is all whacked out. But I, you know, my mission is, you know, it's about loving the dark and the light. <clears throat> and yeah. our our ability to love the darkness dissolves it, you know? And so what they were showing me and, and talking about last week was if we can just love these energies, dark, light, it doesn't matter. Cause like you said, it's all part of the plant. Like this is all part of the awakening, right? Is awakening to these dark forces, but then loving them anyways. It's, it's a creation of separation that I think is the issue. Just like you're saying the jumping away and the blocking and the closing and the covering and the, it's all about this separation energy and love is unification, not separation. And so I thought it was really powerful. One of the things they said, and I haven't talked about this publicly actually till right now, but I'm going to say it because you brought it up with the, um, shots that are going on right now is that a lot of the reactions that people are having is a rejection of their own genetic structure. That was what they told me last week. They said, it's about loving your own genetic structures, um, no matter where they come from, because we have things in our genetics, we probably don't want to know where it came from and it's all mixed up. And so there's this idea of just loving yourselves, loving your body, loving these dark forces. And so that's been my practice for this last week, Steve. It's been very interesting. I've been going under the surface of the planet. I have been going into the tunnels and looking at those dark energies and just loving the crap out of them. And honestly, like, I don't think I felt this vital in a really long time. And so, you know, it's really powerful to be in that love energy, that love vibration. And I do think that these light beings that are here with us, um, whether they're coming from another star system or whether they're just simply in another dimension, um, they're here to help hold that love vibration, I think. And the more that we can be in that space, like you said, there's there's no way that the, the darkness has lost already. There, there is no battle. This is about emerging light and dark. And you know what they showed me? Do you remember the dark crystal? Yeah. What they showed me, and that movie freaked me out as a kid, still freaks me out. It's so uh, valid about some of the things going on in the world, actually. But um, what they showed me, Steve, was the end of the movie when the mystics and the Skeksis merged. Oh, yeah. And no, they I... said, that is what's happening. I got goosebumps even just saying that again. There's, they said, that is what is happening and what we want to happen. That's what will heal the, the planet. That's beautiful. 
I think what, what Eve brought up in her question was, I feel for me, there's a, a journey for light workers and what that journey is and where, where we're all at is where we're at, is that at the beginning, we leave the old mundane world and we embrace the affirmations and the angels and the love and the parking angels and the manifestations and crystals around a bed and we, and everything is love, you know, it's brilliant and magical. At a certain point on the journey, we look and face the dark because when we face the dark, there is power in facing the dark. I've trained with two gray magicians. I mean, they wouldn't call themselves gray, but I call them gray magicians. And I learned actually three, I would say three. And I learned so much from those gray magicians. And I've trained with some beautiful light magicians as well, light spiritual teachers. But from those gray magicians, I learned. And like, for, for example, one of them was teaching techniques which I could see that could be used for manipulation, actually. It's so easy for to manipulate people. But what it showed me was how that could be used in the same way for light purposes, that actually you can help people get on track with where they really want to go by kind of really, I can't really explain it, but um, I just had this, this kind of ding on my head. You can use that in a light way. You do not use it to manipulate people. But also learning about those things, I've learned uh, there's been a few occasions where people have tried to throw a, a dark net over me and, and pull the dark wool over my eyes type of thing. And I go, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to happen. Sorry. You know, that kind of thing. And they look at me a bit bemused, like it should work. Why is this not working? You know, and um, um, I think I, years ago I trained in NLP, which is one of those areas which also could be used for manipulation. But it also has a brilliant side, which can be used for helping and healing people. I've seen amazing things happen in there. And I remember this guy coming with doing all these kind of NLP techniques to try and persuade me to put him on this, this vent program when I was a director of alternatives. And I just looked at him thinking, what are you doing? That's so clunky and so silly, you know. But uh, And he went away shaking his head like, oh, it should work. But there are people doing these things, you know, and I think it's good to know not to be naive about what's going on on the other side. There's a saying in Wicca, and when I trained in Wicca years ago, they're saying, I mean, I, I don't agree with it exactly, but I understand what they mean. If you can curse, you can heal. And I think what they mean by that is if you look at the dark side, you can also know how to heal the dark side. That's what I take that to mean. If, if everything's love and light, you'll miss things. And I think a lot of empaths miss for example, the empath narcissist problem is a classic one where the empath goes, I just see love. And the narcissist comes right in into the house and goes, fantastic, let me wreck your home. <laughs> and so many empaths I've spoken to have had this problem. They yeah. didn't see the signs. You know, there were signs. This guy's a narcissist. Didn't mm -hmm. see it coming. I mean, I also have had the narcissist experience. And I was like, how did I miss it? How did I miss that one? Mm -hmm. It's a great lesson, actually. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I've definitely, I'm writing <laughs> the second book right now all about that. And oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think so many of us are challenged with that because we don't, and, and it's, it's not just not seeing the darkness outside of us. It goes back to the shadow work and looking at the darkness inside of us. And I think that's what we get scared to do. You know, I used to laugh. Um, and this is, I hope I don't offend anybody, but I used to laugh um, at the psychic fairs because I worked all the psychic fairs. I, I, I've paid my penance. I've done my dues. And, you know, when you're at a metaphysical fair or something like that, you know, there's all sorts of readers. There's, you know, 50 to 100 readers usually at each one. And there's always the, the light readers who the little 
little happy, joyful, and they're reading like Oracle cards and like, um, no offense, but Dorian virtue cards, like all the bright cards and they have their place. And, and I have some of those decks too, but then there was the group of us who were reading tarot cards and gypsy cards and gypsy witch and that kind of thing. And it really is, there is a differentiation, I think, between wanting to stay all light and fluffy and just getting real, getting real. There is bad stuff that happens and there's bad stuff in the world and there's bad stuff in other worlds. And that's a real thing. But I think, like you said, there's this journey. The journey of awakening is this recognition that, shit, I did bad stuff. Other people do bad stuff. <laughs> and then you want to blame the bad stuff. And then you come to this place where you recognize your own responsibility to the bad stuff. And then you can actually move on. It's like, then you have the context for everything. And when you hear something about grays or, or reptilians or whatever kind of energy you want to talk about that's darker or negative, you start to realize like, well, that's just part of all of this. Like we've kind of all created it and, and, and we've all created it together in co-creation with these dark energies. So now we all have to figure it out. And that was the message I got from the Federation last week was we, there's many errors that happened here, but now this like pot of stew that we've created on this planet, we light and dark, we have to do it together. We can't, there's no, there's no spaceship coming to take the darkness away. Like no. anybody who thinks that that's happening are the same people waiting for the quick fix for all sorts of things. And I yeah. think that's where we get caught up with conspiracy theories because a lot of the conspiracy theories, whether there's truth to them, for sure there's truth. And I hate the term conspiracy theory, but the problem is we have these fantastical, it hooks you into this fantastical idea that suddenly everything's gonna be fixed. And, and that's just not it. And an ascension cycle is not one year. Like if you no. thought that 2020 was an ascension cycle, you've lost your mind. Like this is a, hundreds of years of to get here and hundreds of years to get beyond it. And so I didn't mean yeah. to go on a tangent, but uh, you know. It's well, important. no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I like the, the, I think this realm at the moment is, is we've been growing through um, opposition, light and dark of opposite. There's an opposition and that's why we're in this gym, the game of opposition, you know, so you get light teachers like Jesus the Christ who comes in and they're, they're crucified. Well, you, you know, whether he was crucified or not, we don't know for sure a hundred percent and the message hijacked because you know, this is the way it is. Light comes in, dark tries to block it. It's that mm -hmm. game. But now the game shifted because the light is in ascendance, I think, whereas the dark has been in ascendance for a long time. So what, which is why a lot of star seeds are wanting to hide in the closet. I don't want to be too exposed because the, men in black are going to come and get me type of thing you know we've been yeah. persecuted for many lifetimes but in this lifetime we're meant to come out we're meant like you got you you're doing it i'm doing it we're meant to step out it's it's okay as thousands of people step out this is the energy that's supporting us now so i have um two tarot decks one is the lovely creative light beautiful and the other one is the edgy you know <laughs> the edgy one and i say which one would you friends i when they come around for a a meal said, so, "Do you want to? Would you like to? Which one would you choose? You can have the light one, or you can have the edgy one." And sometimes, for myself, I go to the edgy one because it's exactly what I need. I need to look at. It's almost like psychic surgery. It goes right in and mm -hmm. shows me exactly the truth of something. It's not pretty, but it goes. Look at that. And I think awareness is curative. Once we know, or we're aware of something, you know, we may have had a past life where we were killed 
in a difficult circumstance. We may have had a past life where we were a tyrant, you know, but when we look at it and embrace it and go, okay, I was that, you know, and embrace it without going, oh no, I can't even look at it, you know. We grow in power and in energy and in light, I think, by doing that. I've looked at myself. I've, I've known that I've done black magic in other lifetimes. I could feel it. Mm -hmm. There were times in my life before, you know, before I came to this particular journey, before my dark night of the soul, where I remember someone was really getting in my face energetically and attacking me psychically. And I had the thought, I can do something about that. And I was like, whoa, no, no, step back away from that. I'm not going to, we're not going to do anything about this person. And I knew from, I said, well, how do I know? Where does this stuff come from? So I know that a lot of us have explored the dark. We've been in the dark period of Atlantis, the dark period of Egypt. We, we know the light and dark, you know, mm -hmm. even more darker than this. We've, we've ex experienced it. it. We haven't had all love and light lifetimes. It's not possible, I think. It's not yeah. possible here. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can not experience trauma, unfortunately, in in one or all of your lifetimes. And I agree. I mean, I think, I think that's the understanding of it. I think it's coming to terms with that. That is what's necessary in order to create unification within yourself. And that's yeah. what, what takes all of us to the next level is coming into it ourselves. And I'm just really into this whole, I mean, whatever happened to me last week was so powerful and I'm still processing it, but it's very clear to me that it is not my purpose to go out and speak against dark forces, but instead to tell them I love you anyways. I understand yeah. who you are. And just like you said, it was really powerful what you said, like, you're not going to do this to me. And that's exactly what I what message I have and got and have today, which is I know who you are and I know what you're doing. You can't do it to me anymore. But now I'm just going to love you and you're going to have to deal with it. Like, there's no more... It, the rest of that's done. And I think the more of us that get to that place, the more powerful we become, you know, we come an impenetrable force, which is what I'm hearing over and over from, you know, the collective team that I talk to is this is about creating an impenetrable force where we're so on mission that none of us can, there's, there's no way to, to impact it or change it. Yeah. I think the dark forces, I, I look at them a bit like the wizard of Oz. You remember, Dorothy's going mm -hmm. along and it goes into the chamber and this big powerful wizard and and then Toto pulls the curtain away and the wizard mm -hmm. says ignore that man behind the curtain you know <laughs> and when we see oh and when Dorothy realized she said you're just a, a fraud and he was like oh okay and he gives them all what they want you know and I look at it a bit like that that, that the game is being run behind the curtain you know, and, and the game is run by very wealthy, very powerful forces, but the curtain's being pulled. Whistleblowers are pulling the curtain. You know, we know now. We've had these whistleblowers. Edward Snowden has pulled a whole curtain on, do you know what your government's doing? They're spying on you. And I remember Obama going on TV and going, no, 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 we're not doing that. And <laughs> the head of the FBI going, no, no, we would never do that. And of course, it's proved to be totally true. They totally did were telling little, you know, untruths, you know. And other ones, uh, Chelsea Manning and um, uh, Julian Assange, of course, the people behind the curtain don't like them. But more and more, these people are being revealed. You know, there's um, the Paradise Papers, wasn't it, about yeah. financial goings on in the in the, some tax havens. And even the Queen had all this money there. You know, the Queen. How could possibly the Queen? You know, And so the... the what I notice in the COVID this thing as well is what I'm encouraged by is a number of people actually going on marches. In, in England, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people marching through London going, we don't want this. 
We think it's all nonsense, and we think you're you're telling porky pies. And these are not star seeds. These are regular people who are going. Our government is not telling us the truth. It's um, that like that film V for Vendetta. I like, films are great. They have these kind of stories in them. Where do you remember the story of V? He goes on yeah. national TV and says. Your government is telling you untruths, you know, and if you want to stand with me and we'll do something about it. Yeah. And I think that's what will bring down the dark, really. It's not just star seeds and light workers meditating and doing things on YouTube. It's actually the regular people, the millions and millions of people are going, oh, the world I thought was happening is not real. You know, things are happening and we want answers and we want change that the peasants are revolting, basically. Yes. And that's what's needed. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Um, yeah. We have two really great questions. Oh, my gosh, I could talk to you forever, Steve. I'm so glad you came back. Um, two great questions. You can pick which one you want to talk about first. So we have Jeff's question, which I think is a great one, which is how do star seeds find out that they are star seeds? I think that's a good question. And then we also have um, Danny asking, or Deb, sorry, Deb is asking, what is your opinion on crystal skulls? So how do we find out we're star seeds? Maybe well, I can answer both reasonably quickly because I've got a quick answer about. So, if you're following me on YouTube, if you're following anyone like me, if you're following Buddhist biohacker, the likelihood, the very strong likelihood, is you are a starseed. I mean, a light worker is someone who's a starseed who just hasn't woken up to the fact they're starseeds. A starseed is someone who's highly sensitive, more sensitive than most. A starseed is drawn to spiritual practices, not religion. They're drawn to futuristic visions. They are, um, you know, they're, they're drawn to all kinds of areas. For example, a lot of the early starseeds were like David Bowie singing about there's a starman in the sky. John Lennon saying the world is run by insane people. All these are starseeds. Tesla, Einstein are all starseeds with a different mindset. Um, starseeds are not meant to be normal. And most starseeds think, oh, I have to be normal. And being normal is the worst thing you could ever try and do. Be weird. And it's your key to awakening, key to success. Look, at, I only took off when I started to be weird. So if you're remotely interested in anything I have to say, you're a starseed. That's the answer to that one. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. And, you know, uh, and I've had people sit on settees going, oh, you're the guy talking about starseeds, aren't you? But I know they're kind of skeptical, but they're really interested. And I can see, mm -hmm. oh, you're one. You're just opening up. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you would. And, you know, other people would who would say the same thing. And I know, OK, you're not one. I'm not even going to worry about this conversation. I used to live in a community and someone said to me, oh, so, so what's all this stuff about starseeds? But I could feel the energy of him. And I know you're not one. And he said, lend me a book. I lent him a book and he came back. It's crazy, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's crazy, but it's the way it is. He just went away shaking his head. So <laughs> crystal skulls. Well, briefly, what I can say about crystal skulls is that when I was a director of alternatives, we had um, two journalists who wrote a book on crystal skulls. I forget their names now. This was in the 90s. They did a whole uh, research on crystal skulls, particularly the Mitchell Hedges skull. This was discovered in, I think, Central America, I believe. <laughs> so the story, you know, the story of Mitchell Hedges, this one is a, the genuine one. That one, they're not all genuine, but that one's really genuine. The story of that one was her father was trying to discover Atlantis and found some hidden city. And she was a 13-year-old with, I'm not sure if it's a stepfather or father, but anyway, was accompanying him. A third, it's quite strange, isn't it? A 13-year-old on a dig in Central yeah. America. Yeah, a British woman and British father. Anyway, she woke up in the night with this dream and she had the dream 
that there's something down this hole. She, she walked out in the night and there was this hole in the ground. And in the morning, she told her dad and the dad said, oh, and this is the weird story that I heard. Apparently, the, da the dad tied a rope around the daughter and lowered her down the hole. This was quite weird. I mean, I wouldn't lower my 13-year-old daughter down a hole. And she came up with this skull, this Chris, uh, uh, Mitchell Hedges skull, which is a, a perfectly carved skull with a jaw and a, and a skull. They're, they're made from one crystal, apparently. And all the workers just fell to the ground. And they realized, they recognized what it was. And um, she brought it back to England. Uh, it's in, I think it's still in Cornwall. She's still alive. I think she's in her 90s now. Um, this skull was researched by Kodak Laboratories. Kodak was the old camera yeah. photograph laboratories. And they came out saying in the 50s, they said this skull could not have been made with the technology we have on the earth because they there was no tool marks. It was just perfectly carved. Yeah. And in the same talk, we had this shaman from, uh, I'm not sure if it was Guatemala or Nicaragua. I can't remember where they found this skull. And he was speaking in Spanish and there was a translator. And he said, um, Basically, this skull was carved in the Pleiades by thought and brought to earth. This was a kind of 70-year-old shaman speaking. And I was listening going, what? A skull was carved in the Pleiades with, by thought. And he said, we had to let the woman bring it back to England because if we tried to take it as our property, we would have been killed. So we let her have it. But it should be returned to our people when, it, when she goes. I'm not sure wow. whether it will be. Well, Deb, look at what Deb just said. Deb said, I had the pleasure of seeing. Oh, is she passed away now? Before Anna passed away. That's very interesting. Oh, I didn't know she's passed away. So I'm not sure where the the skull is now then. That's interesting. Me neither. That's so cool that she was able to see it. That's cool. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, but what I understand is there's apparently 13 skulls that when they come together, it produces some some power. Um, I know there was the Indiana Jones film that kind of did something like that, which yeah. is kind of a spoof off of it, which was. Well, and you know what's kind of cool about that movie? So there's a book called The Third Eye by T. Lopsang Rampa. I don't know if you've yeah, ever I read it. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I read yeah. it when I was 14. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that book, if you remember, and in that series, he talked about the, the, um, alien races underneath Lhasa. Remember in Tibet, he was talking about those caves and there was a lot of, I felt that in that Indiana Jones movie, when they were actually in the cavern with those those alien beings and the crystals, you know, they put the skull back on, seemed like for some reason I immediately thought of that book and I thought there's something going on here with the information around what's under Tibet and and you know in that book and then in that movie. I don't know. It just seemed like it just struck me somehow that something. All oh, yeah. the information. I, I, I read all of his books when I was yeah. 15 and I wrote to him because you could write to him. Oh, you can? Yeah, I had, to, I had to type. No, I wrote a letter when I was 15. I posted, it was in Canada, I think. And he sent back a typed letter. And, and I, I think I even bought a few things from his shop. You know, I can't remember what it was now, but um, I was asking him about karma and he wrote back. It was kind of nice. He signed the letter and it's kind of nice of him. I was 15 year old. I didn't know, I didn't know very much about it, but I was really kind of intrigued. I remember reading that book. I remember there was a kind of operation. Didn't they do a little operation on the, yeah. kind of opening yeah. his third eye with a kind of yeah. chisel and a little chisel and hammer or something? I thought, oh, my God, I don't want my third eye open like that. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. But. I know. I know. Well, I love those books, too. I mean, they're my favorite. But The Hermit's probably my favorite one in the series. And um, it really opened up a lot for me. And, and 
oddly enough, you know, when I went to the Kala Chakra initiation with the Dalai Lama in 2011, um, part of that initiation, they don't televise the initiation itself um, because of the, you know, the rules of the tantric initiation, but part of it, they brought out these like skull-like objects and there was all this chanting and it was, you know, it's just outer worldly. I don't know what else to say. It was a really, obviously it was a life-changing experience for me, but when you talk about crystal skulls and you talk about these alien races and the, you know, what they're able to create and what is part of our journey, it's just, it's really profound. I've got something to show you. Oh, yeah. This is, this is not one of the 13 though. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. You're pulling it out from behind your curtain. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Avebury and I, in Avebury, there's a, you know, Avebury's this stone circle. There's a crystal shop in the middle of the stone circle. It's quite incredible, really. And I saw this and I just had to have it. Uh, oh, wow. It's kind of one of those um, elongated skulls, which I think are hybrid human alien yep. race, which, I think it's happened, you know, there are in the past this hybrid human alien race, which you got in Egypt and you got in Peru, I think. There's skulls that they found. I think they said it was they, they try to say it's skulls being bound, and but it's not really that's not really what that is. That's a hybrid. Yeah. And when I got this one, it started speaking to me quite a lot, really. But then it, then I kind of put it on the shelf going, okay, I'm I, I can't talk to you all day long. I've got other things to talk to. And uh, he stopped talking to me for a while. Well, maybe I should chat to him again, but uh, he hasn't spoken. I'll leave you there. Well, yeah, the energy, I can feel that. Yeah, that's that's a really powerful. So he comes from Avebury. From wow. Somewhere. And there's a, definitely a connection with some hybrid human alien race, which I haven't really fully explored yet. But mm -hmm. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of Egyptian energy, at least that I feel from that skull. It feels there's something going on there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I want to give you some space. I could talk to you for another hour or two or three or 10, but um, we're coming to the end of our time. But I want you to share um, what you have upcoming and how folks can connect with you and just anything you want to share with the audience today. Oh, what have I got upcoming? Oh gosh, I've got lots of things upcoming. Uh, so on Thursday, I've got a webinar called, what is it called? It's called something. It's called multidimensional psychic protection. That's this Thursday. And on Friday, I've got a star seed business networking group. That's the beginning of one. We're doing them one a month. And I do an ongoing webinar series, which is, um, you can find that on our website, thesoulmatrix.com. I've also got my own, um, uh, social media site which I've started there's about 10,000 star seeds on it it's like a kind of like a Facebook but it's not as whizzy as Facebook but it's got all the features of Facebook you know groups and chats and everything mm -hmm. so it's because I, I think Facebook's a necessary evil but I try to do as less as I can on there these days so I've got my own one so mm -hmm. people are welcome to join it and come and have a chat with other star seeds and uh, that's what's mostly going on I think um, I've got a I was doing a lot of live events, but of course that's stopped really now. I was going to America, Egypt. Uh, I was planning even a Bosnian pyramids one, but that's all on hold. The one thing I've got going is a Glastonbury retreat in the end of September. Because mm. uh, I'm, you know, Glastonbury, four days in Glastonbury is fabulous. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Wants to join me, come and join me. And I do that usually twice a year. This year only once, but normally twice a year because I love Glastonbury. 
It's a weird place to live, but a lovely place to visit. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I get to come visit one day. It's on my bucket list for sure. I haven't got, I've only gone over, I've only seen Paris. I haven't been anywhere else overseas and I'm dying to get to Glastonbury. It's one of the places in Ireland too. So Ireland's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's where my family's from. So um, oh. We come from the O'Toole's, my maiden name. So, um, yeah, so I really want to go there and see where they're from. So one, Whereabouts? Do you know where in Ireland? Um, it's Northern Ireland, and I don't know the town. I should, but I know it's Northern. We're Black Irish, so um, we come from up north. And I know we have a family, like, castle up there, but a small one, but I, I haven't been there. My grandparents have been there, but I, that's about the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> I've never been to Northern Ireland, been to Southern Ireland a lot, but Northern Ireland, they have a very strong accent up there, very strong accent. <laughs> Northern, Northern Ireland. You know. <laughs> well, one day, you know, I did my astrocartography on Ireland and Ireland is like really intense karmically for me. Like apparently all the shadows of myself will come out when I go there. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go. And I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, Oh, it seems like I'm going to have some dark stuff going on when I go. So oh, yeah, I find the uh, find Ireland very magical and very sad. Mm. There's a sadness in the country and there's a magic in the country. Mm. Um, I don't like Dublin much because Dublin is just a big city, but the countryside, the people have got this humor and they're a lovely, lovely humor and creative and music and fun. They've got a great sense of humor, the Irish, but there's a sadness in the culture. Mm. There's a grief, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. Steve. I hope you come back again. Cause I just really like talking to you and I think there's so much to talk about and I love the work that you're doing so much. Lovely. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to our audience. We had such a great audience today. Thank you guys for all your comments and questions. And um, I will be back actually in one hour. I'm going to be oh. um, on Delisa Hawking's show that's Mysteries of the Mediums, but it is streaming here live on Buddhist Biohacker. So don't forget to click subscribe so you get notified that we're live. But we're going to be looking at Jimmy Hoffa and a few other um, mystery cases. It's our third time doing this. It's really fun. We're going to be with Nikki Allen, who's also from the UK, um, and myself and Delisa talking about all of these um, mysteries and forensic mediumship. So we'll see you guys in one hour. And thank you so much, Steve, for everything. And I just can't wait to see what pops up on your YouTube channel next. And uh, thank you again, everybody, so much. Have a great day. Thanks.